This podcast is being recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to elders past and present and acknowledge their ongoing connection to land, waters and culture. Colonisation and genocide are ongoing processes that continue to this day. Sovereignty was never ceded. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Hey everybody, and welcome back to Ozpulse Knackpod, the podcast where two of Australia's foremost political nobodies bring you bite-sized chunks of Australian politics and news with a side of crispy memes. We're also the official podcast of the Ozpulse Shitposting Facebook group, so if you like shitposts and memes and uh, content, go over there and uh, smash that join button. My name's Noon, and with me, as always, is my co-host... Hey everybody, Zach Snack. How you doing, Noon? I know you've... Uh... You've been in the wars this week. You've had what we call in the business a real podcaster injury. Yes, I have tonsillitis. <laughs> right, right in the moneymaker. <laughs> uh, yet another non-coronavirus. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's actually kind of, uh, you know, I, I spent about three consecutive years with tonsillitis, like with basically no break. It's extremely that- noon circa 2007 Yeah, situation. through yeah. like nine or ten. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which was really, you know, when we first became friends. So, you know, in some ways it's it's kind of a comforting uh, inability to swallow. <laughs> it gives me uh, nice familiar memories of dropping out of high school. I also, I got tonsillitis right in the week of my final uh, high school exams as well. Probably from me. So you're welcome. Almost definitely contracted from you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's something that we share. That's a little <clears throat> bit of a snackpot history for you. Mm-hmm. Um, something else that we share is a wonderful fan base, including several <laughs> new patrons who signed up this week. So thank you so much, Stephen, Piers, and Extremely Online Left for signing up and Permanent Palimpsest for increasing your donation. Um, my tonsillitis is in the mail out to you right now as we speak. So you will also be Don't part worry, of the snackpot but- family. It's not. Noon didn't pack the pin. Noon never sends the merch out. That's entirely me, and I don't have tonsillitis, so don't worry about that. I'll just sneeze <laughs> into the breeze for you. Uh, but yeah, um, before we get into the show, I just kind of wanted to mention, like, uh, we had sent Lydia Thorpe on the show last week, and we were talking to her about um, heavy stuff that we felt was, like, really important to put front and center and to put her and... Uh, her experience front and center. So we didn't want to do the rest of that show as a normal show. Um, so if this is, if you found us last week through Lydia, thank you so much for coming along. We've got um, uh, a more normal show this week, but we've still got a bit of an odd show because, well, an unusual show because we have an interview for Maine. So um, we're going to have Leah on from Slutwalk Melbourne and from the Loud Angry and Not Sorry podcast to talk about both of those things and activism in general. Um, yep. Yeah, so, Look forward to that at the uh, second half of the show. And also, uh, just letting you know now, next week, Zach is going to be away. So we have uh, a special, unusual episode cooked up next week. Um, so look forward to that. That's right. But in the meantime, Noon, uh, we're having some like entree elections, selections. A delectable election, selection? Delectable selections of election selections. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it an election um, degus? doesn't quite work now okay all right (laughs) none of those worked yeah (laughs) cool tell us about the queensland election results yeah so uh uh labor won the queensland state election uh they won pretty handily um they got 51 seats out of the 47 needed and because they've only got one 
House. They don't have like a Senate. That's the whole thing. Uh, and Anastasia Palaszczuk has become the first woman in Australia to ever lead a party to three elections, to win three elections, I should say. Um, which is one of those weird metrics that reminds me of like cricketers being like, yes, well, there haven't been this many birds on the pitch since the uh, rainy afternoon in <laughs> November 74 or whatever. Um, but uh, it Once is for cool. the punters. Yeah. Uh, the Greens, uh, mixed bag for the Greens. They got an extra seat, um, uh, the seat of South Brisbane, where they knocked out uh, Deputy Premier Jackie Trad, uh, And they had an almost 10% swing in that seat. Uh, but in general have suffered a small swing away from them across the entire state. Uh, and mm. I suspect, I'm not in cer- certain about this, but I suspect that's because they were focusing in South Brisbane. Uh, it's mm. the only seat that Labour did hold and lost, uh, and that kind of indicates trouble for Labour in other inner Brisbane seats in the future, much as we see in, like, Melbourne and Sydney. Yeah. Um, it's a good solid get for the Greens. That That's a good, yeah, like, that. that's a good win. I mean, really, the good news is what the Liberals didn't win. But the other extra, like, glacé cherry on top of that tasty victory is that One Nation had a total wipeout. Uh, They retained Mm. one seat. um, And I think, actually, the numbers looked significantly worse on the night than they do now. Like, they were, like, big, like, double-digit swings on the night. And now... Yeah, they were, like, melting down publicly. James Ashby and Pauline Hanson both had, like live televised freakouts um, yes which was you know take it where you can get it yeah and uh yeah it, it's now looking like six percent across the board which is a huge hit for a minor party just for comparison mm. the greens had a 0.6 swing against them across the board mm. um so yeah uh people have been saying it might be the end of the party which in my oh, of one nation i mean which i think is definitely premature but um you know yeah, Pauline, it's still nice uh, one to hear people has... say that Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> but yeah, no, definitely premature. I mean, we've seen uh, One Nation and Pauline Hanson specifically like political prospects wax and wane massively over the last two decades or even uh, two and a bit decades, really, mm. at this stage. Mm. Yeah, I mean, she completely disappeared for federal, from federal politics for a few years and then came back stronger than ever. So basically, we just need to wait until Channel 7 gives her another regular guest spot on one of their breakfast shows and she'll be and back on the horse. It'll all be fine, yeah. Mm. Um, the other one funny thing I wanted to mention about the Queensland election results is that uh, Friendly Geordie's troll farm yes. specifically set themselves two goals. And mm-hmm. One of them was trying to keep the seat of South Brisbane, yep. Brisbane for J- Jackie Trad, and they completely failed. And that's very hilarious to me. Mm-hmm. That's the start and end of that thought. Yeah, you're right. I didn't mention either Friendly Geordie's or Van Badham in this, um, but they have both been extremely entertaining to watch hyperventilate about literally everything and and in hilariously directly opposite ways as well uh van Batten being like the greens are the liberal party they're all right-wing capitalists um and then friendly geordie's being the greens are full-on communists who want to destroy everything um but he also stands the ccp anyway this is not a friendly geordie segment zach why don't you tell us about the victorian uh council elections instead of me rambling about those people okay um well, I'll do my best because results are still kind of trickling in um, and we've got bits and pieces. But uh, one of the, the headline that I sort of wanted to focus on is that the results have been really good for the Greens, basically across the board. They've re- elected so far a record 36 candidates around the state. Wow. Uh, it's also been uh, a pretty good election for socialist candidates, which is cool. Uh, now, I spoke a little bit, like I mentioned last week, that I was a bit concerned about the results of these elections because Adam Somurek's 
single member ward mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, legislation came into effect earlier this year. And this is the first election where it was going to come into effect and kind of we were expecting like some much more conservative results as a response to that. And as I say, like results are still coming in and I don't have really a great picture of the overall state mm-hmm. across uh, Melbourne, but definitely in the inner city, that seems to have not been the case at all. Um, but probably the most like boring headline result is that Sally Cap has been returned as the Lord Mayor of Melbourne. Yep. Um, uh, she's just, you know, a, a pro-business candidate who is cosy with both the Labour Party and the Liberals, mm-hmm. which gives you a pretty good sense of where she stands. Um, one thing I didn't talk about uh, when we did our sort of lead up to the yeah. uh, local elections is how fucked the voting rules are in the city of Melbourne. Yeah, totally. Um, that uh, people who own... Pro- well, in, in fact, and it's, this is the, the case across the state, in fact... Uh, the case across Australia, except in Queensland, is that if you own a piece of property in a local government area, you can vote in that election even if you don't live there. You live and there, you can sure. cast votes in multiple... Uh, if you have properties in, like, multiple government areas, you can vote in all of them. Wow. Um, but in the city of Melbourne, what's different about it is that businesses can vote as well. And, in fact, businesses get two votes. Two, two votes, yes. Which yeah, is wild. Um, Fucking intense, and in fact, in 2016, and I don't have more recent figures for this, but in Mm -hmm. 2016, uh, Ben Rowie from the Tally Room calculated that about 60% of the votes in the city of Melbourne were from people who owned property and businesses in the area. Only 40% were from residents. Wow. Um, So, you know, if you look at the sort of results at a state and federal level for the same area, it's fucking greens, wall-to-wall greens. Right, right, right. Um, but uh, because you it's business. constantly get these very pro-business results uh, because it's business that's selecting the mayor and so uh, a number of the councillors. So I had uh, always been—I I knew that about the businesses getting votes um, for years now, but I it had never like occurred to me about the difference between like Adam Bant representing that and then the council not. Yeah, yeah, that's a really yep. good point. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's fucked. Um, but yeah, so Sally Cap got back up. Uh, two Greens councillors did get up, mm-hmm. um, which was pretty much a, a guarantee because those are the councillors that the actual residents That's the 40% are left. that the residents voted yeah, for. Yeah, exactly. Um, over in uh, Maribyrnong Council, there was a big shake-up. Only three of seven sitting councillors was returned. Cool. So um, people definitely looking for a, a change in vibe over there. The vote has been so close that so far there have been two recounts and I believe there's a third underway. Currently, according to the Victorian Electoral Commission website, two Greens have been elected and one Vic Socialist candidate, which mm-hmm. is very exciting, except at the moment that Vic Socialist candidate is, I think, sitting on a margin of six votes, if I'm correct. <laughs> Great. So uh, if there's a further recount, that, that result might change. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, one of the other f- uh, ridiculous things that happened in this election is that there in Moreland, mm. there's been fraud. Just the most flagrant like basic kind Entry of election level fraud. fraud yeah yeah it's really it was literally what happened was somebody went around stole a bunch of mail-in ballots from people's letterboxes filled them in and then sent them in uh this all happened in the northwest ward of moreland and they were um, all voting in favor of well we don't know that yet okay okay uh, yeah, i thought no. that was uh, heavily implied in the article that it was the votes it's, were for someone. Well, it's heavily it's heavily implied that they were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, the the 
the one of the funny things about this is that legally the cops are now involved. Sure, yeah. But yeah. the Victorian Election Commission legally has to count the votes and declare mm-hmm. the results and swear in the council before the Electoral Commission can lodge an application <laughs> to the Victorian Civil and Administrative Tribunal, aka right, VCAT, right. to start an inquiry into the election. So that's very funny. If someone was dodgily elected, they're going to be sitting on this council potentially for a while before the inquiry hands down its results. Yep. Yeah, as you said, Noon, the um, Age article that I uh, read this in yeah. uh, <laughs> heavily implied that uh, Labor councillor Milad El-Halabi, um, well, they didn't say they, they, they very specifically said... The Age does that, not suggest that Milad El-Halabi is involved in any... Or has done it? any... That there is no suggestion of wrongdoing. Of wrongdoing. <laughs> yeah. But this dude is a property developer. He's the director of the Coburg Market, uh-huh. if you live in the local area. Which is that funny will... that he's a property developer and he owns that, because it is a, a, pretty a dingy emporium. I have been there it's, many yeah, times. I've done a lot of shopping there, but it is yeah, it's the not heart of developed. Coburg. Yeah. Um, this is a dude who's been previously accused of uh, stacking the board of a medical organization. <laughs> yeah. um, and because of his like property developer connections there was a lot of internal opposition within the Labour Party to him mm. running as a candidate. And in fact, an internal Labour vetting committee voted against endorsing him, a decision that was then overturned by higher-ups in the ALP. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nothing fucking suspicious about that at nope. all. Um, this is all happening in the ward where this, <laughs> like, he's running in the ward where all this election fraud happened. Ospol Snackpod suggests no wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. By Malad El Halabi. Um, uh, elsewhere in Moreland, Socialist Alliance councillor uh, Sue Bolton was re-elected. I didn't know much about her, but mm. that seems cool to me. Yeah, uh, I miss and, it. You uh, were like, "Hey, do you know anything about Sue Bolton?" And I was like, uh, "Not really, but she seems cool." I asked my friend, and I asked like I messaged two people, and they were both like, "No, nah, I don't really know anything about her, but she seems cool." So that is the yeah. uh, that's the consensus. <laughs> Just don't ask any other socialists, I guess. I guess. Um, uh, and some uh, three Greens councillors also got up in uh, Moreland, which is cool. Cool. Uh, but probably the biggest story from the Victorian local elections is that Yarra Council, which mm-hmm. covers inner Melbourne suburbs um, like Richmond, Collingwood, Fitzroy, Carlton North, um, has become Australia's first majority Greens council, with five out of nine councillors elected uh, being from the Greens, uh, which is it's pretty cool. They also re-elected two incumbent socialists, and this is less cool. One of them is Stephen Jolly, um, who is the only candidate in that in Yarra to be elected without preferences. So, like, he yeah. got a big chunk of the vote. Yep. And we spoke about him last week, uh, last time when we were discussing the uh, you know the upcoming when, when the elections were upcoming. upcoming. Yes, and we mentioned that he split from the Victorian Socialists due to uh, allegations. I think we said it was allegations of sexual harassment mm, at the time. Mm. Actually, he split over allegations of family violence that were right. made against him. There were also separate allegations of sexual harassment made by members of Socialist Alliance in a completely separate incident. Sure. Um, so, I, and we discussed this before noon that uh, we might need to kind of go a bit deeper mm. on Jolly's Stephen history Jolly. yeah, because, yeah. yeah, he's starting to come up more and more. And he's put himself forward as mayor of Yarra as well, um, which is unlike in the city of Melbourne, a position that gets elected by the councillors. Which is very case. optimistic when the Greens have an outright majority, but sure. <laughs> yes, uh, but he's in nevertheless like a major poli- major a force in local yeah. politics in, yeah. in Melbourne. Um, and so, you know, we've so it's it's hard to know what you legally can and can't say about 
his history. Mm. So mm-hmm. we uh, we're, we're putting a a pin in uh, going a bit deeper on uh, Stephen Jolly's past in the future. So stay tuned for that. Uh, but I'll say this. Um, I don't think that this kind of thing can be overlooked for the good of the movement. Mm, mm. Um, I think that, that there's been a lot of sort of uh, social media chatter about, oh, it's so great that this socialist got up with uh, the largest chunk of the vote uh, in Yarra. And I, look, I you know, just don't think that you can uh, overlook that kind of stuff because you're undermining the exact values that you're supposedly fighting for. Yep. Um, but uh, that kind of brings us to our next segment, Noon. Yes, so this is a potluck that we uh, got from Carly, who is a linguist and uh, a feminist and wanted to uh, pick up on a term that I used the other week. Um, So I'll let Carly explain all of that and uh, yeah, here we go. Potluck, where you bring the snacks. Hi, snackers. Uh, A couple of episodes ago... um Stephen Jolly was referred to as a sex pest and it started me on this long train of thought that I've been on for quite a while and haven't been able to verbalise because sex pest has been a phrase that I've used a lot and I've heard used a lot but it has made me really uncomfortable for a while and I couldn't figure out why and I finally did just in time to go on to Leah's podcast Loud Angry and Not Sorry where I did a bit of a deep dive into why I don't like it but I just wanted to share here too, because thank you for the inspiration that finally made me realize um, it's that it's not serious enough a phrase for the people we describe it for who tend to have pretty serious allegations against them and we call them sex pest, which is just a very light term. A pest is not someone who's caused serious damage and adding the word sex onto the front of it doesn't make it suddenly more serious, unfortunately, because we still live in a patriarchal society that's rife with rape myths. Um, So yeah, have a listen to that podcast for more of a deep dive, but just wanted to point it out here too. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you, Carly. Um, And thank you for the very gentle call in there. That was me who used that phrase, which I don't think she said in that uh, podcast. And yeah, I, uh, when I was listening back to it, I was, I I noticed that and I was like, Hmm, yeah, I wonder if that is the right thing to have said there. And then like immediately forgot about it. And uh, yeah, uh, Carly talks about it at length in the episode of loud, angry and not sorry that she was on. I think it's not the most recent one, but the one before was really good. And they talk about it specifically in relation to Jolly and about how, that term has been used to describe him repeatedly. And one of the Mm. things that I think you and I came to, pardon me, reflecting uh, after we got this potluck, Zach, was that part of it is to avoid like specific allegations. And I think part of the reason that I said it without thinking about it very much was that I couldn't remember exactly what it was that Jolly had been accused of. Um, And so I used this kind of vague term, but yeah, I think Carly, Uh, made a bunch of really good points there and um, that was my mistake and sorry and I will try to be more careful with my language about that in the future and uh, yeah thank you very much and you should all go and listen to Loud Angry and Not Sorry uh, with Leah who will be on the show later on. Yeah definitely it's a really good really strong episode. Um, All right cool Uh, let's uh, let's move on. 
Hey, man, I got some more beers. Oh, uh, I don't know if I can drink anymore. I'm feeling kind of sick. No, come on, we're having another round of Coronas. Uh, so, in Corona news this week, you may have heard the curve is flattening. Daily new cases in Australia are down in the low teens at the moment, uh, down from uh, a high point of almost 700 a day at the beginning of August. So, that's very cool. Awesome. Yep. Uh, here in Victoria, where things have been all fucked up, as I'm sure you've, you're familiar with, on Friday, uh, we recorded seven days with no new cases and only 15 active cases in the state. Um, People keep talking about donuts, and uh, there was yeah. that donut dick that we wanted to talk about last week, but obviously was not appropriate. Um, yeah, so yeah. Uh, there's a whole week of shitposts that we missed out then, but anyway, go, yeah. go on with the news. Lots of, plenty of, plenty of donut posting. Um and uh, yeah, so hospitality and, and retail are reopening in Victoria. Of course, I'd like to feel positive about that. I'd yep. like to celebrate that. Uh, but that shit was announced on the same fucking day that the Jabbering Embassy eviction happened. Mm-hmm. So I actually have had most of the joy of that moment just sucked right away by our viciously racist genocidal state government. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the <laughs> first corona story I wanted to touch on. Um, fuck you, Daniel, Daniel Andrews. Uh, but, uh, I also have this other more hilarious one, uh, about, uh, one of our favorite punching bags, Clive Palmer. And I just fucking love a headline about Clive Palmer eating (laughs) shit. Mm -hmm. Um, when I started to do research for, for this story, that was the first line I wrote when I saw this ABC headline. Clive Palmer loses high court challenge to Western Australia's coronavirus border closure. Um, so we've, we touched on this before when it was happening. In April, Western Australia closed its borders to travellers from interstate to stop the spread of this vicious virus that was taking over the world and killing lots of people. And then in May, Clive Palmer uh, tried to get an exemption to the border closure because he wanted to travel to Western Australia to meet with Matthias Cormann and United Australia Party candidates. Uh, and also, I didn't realize this, he also was planning to meet with staff from his company to discuss distributing the 30 million doses mm-hmm. of hydroxychloroquine that he mm-hmm. said he wanted to distribute to the Australian public. A bullshit drug that makes things worse when it comes to corona, by the way. Um, so yeah, he was going there to do meetings. <laughs> uh, and then and the Western Australian government was like, well, no, we're That's not, not going to let. Why you they refused him entry? He could. They specifically said he could get an exemption to go to those things, but that he fraudulently he would have to have... and incompetently filled out the access form, and it was thrown out uh, and assumed to be a prank, uh, which we discussed at the time. <laughs> but yeah, no, he he was like I was the under state the government... impression that. I was under the impression that they said that he could come as long as he like checked in regularly with the police and his movements are monitored. And he was like, "I'm not doing that." <laughs> uh, maybe if that might have happened as well. But yeah, no, he. They definitely said, "Oh, we received his exemption request <laughs> form, and we were sure it was a hoax that some idiot had sent in and didn't <laughs> accept it." And if he would like to try again, he can absolutely come to Western Australia. Um, and he did. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, but that, instead, that's, that's not a really. He threw that's a massive. Story, he threw a massive sook because he's a sopping a wet baby. Clive move. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just a, a, a just he's a professional winger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he claimed that the border he started to claim that the border closure was unconstitutional under Section ninety two of the Constitution, which says, "quote Trade, commerce, and intercourse among the states shall be absolutely free." Uh, and you might remember that the federal government initially backed 
Clive Palmer's case and called for Western yep. Australia to open its borders. But then the case went to the federal court and the judge was like, nah, closing the borders is definitely the smart and correct move in this case. Um, and so the federal government very quickly like withdrew from the case and publicly told Clive to back the fuck off. Keep doing it, yep. Which he obviously did not do. Uh, and so this week, the High Court found that the Emergency Management Act uh, in Perth that, uh, you know, the border closures happened under complied with the Constitution. Um, there Surprise. were some funny details. Yeah, shocking nobody. Um, there were some funny details in the ABC article I read about this, um, about pa- Clive Palmer's lawyers, like, clearly struggling with this paper-thin argument that they're totally, like, frivolous client is sort of forcing, forcing them, to, them do. to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so at one point in the trial, like, Palmer's lawyer ha- was basically forced to admit that he wasn't suggesting that the Emergency Management Act itself was invalid, only the direction under the Act to shut the borders. And the judge was like, well, then that's not a constitutional question. That's a question of whether di- the directions are authorised under the Act... And if it's not a constitutional question, then it really doesn't need to be heard by this court at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, to which Palmer's lawyer responded, well, the directions have taken on the character of legislation, mm. which very much feels to me like saying, I know this isn't legally true, but it feels like it should be true. Yeah, it's very like, yeah. you know, it's the vibe. It's 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 Marbo. It's just well, the vibe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the issue about uh, courts taking on legislation is an issue, and this is not that. Mm-mm. But look, I'm not a law person, so I did yeah. run this yeah. past uh, Ospol Snackpod's South Australia correspondent, uh, who's also a law expert, who asked to be referred to as, as uh, quote, shrill feminist attorney. <laughs> and, and they said, um, a direct quote, it's a really piss poor argument. So there you have it mm, from, mm. from the Snackpod legal experts. Uh, Clive Palmer <laughs> has been ordered to pay costs. Nice. And I would That's like to want. conclude this story by saying, suck shit, Clive. Very good. That's a little bit of a uh, positivity corner, but now we have an actual positivity corner. Positivity corner. Very nice, Noon. What's what's the good news this week? Uh, Victoria is getting a Tesla battery, um, like a big, chunky one that will, uh, like the South Australian one, it'll be about uh, 450 megawatt hours worth, um, which is about double the size of the South Australian one's uh, which got expanded recently, which is cool. Um, and yeah, so this, uh, you know, we, we've talked before about an important part of the transition to renewable energy being storage, you know, renewables and storage. So for peak smoothing or whatever, talked about this the other day, um, with the, uh, what was it called? The energy grid one. Gas led, uh, gas yeah, red yeah, yeah, curry, yeah. gas led red curry. Yeah, yeah. That was one of our worst titles. <laughs> titles yeah 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 i was pretty Very pleased confusing. with the segment did well as well but yeah you, the uh, segment was great yeah. yeah um anyway go listen to that but yeah so this uh battery is being uh built and paid for by a french renewable company company called neo yin uh it's like neon but with an extra e on in there in the middle uh but <laughs> with the... an extra eon yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, uh, but they are being paid by the Victorian government to do it. So it's kind of being taxpayer funded. Um, mm. And although it can kind of directly power homes or whatever, its main job is to provide peak smoothing and load smoothing when, for example, interconnectors go down. Um, you may remember that the South Australian battery farm did a really fabulous job last summer when uh, some power went down and it just like instantly made sure there was power for 
a bunch of houses in South Australia that wouldn't have otherwise been there. So yeah, the same thing will um, happen with this battery and it will be about half of the storage required to replace one of our uh, coal-fired power stations. The I think it's Yalorn B. Um, yeah, so that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and like, we could have done it four years ago, but it's still awesome. <laughs> Um, and the libs are complaining it should be built somewhere else, so it's different, so it's near powered generation. Which it's definitely possible that the Liberal State Shadow Minister for Energy knows more about power generation and, and transmission than I do, but I'm not sure about it, to be entirely honest. And I'm not trying to be big-headed; I'm trying to be shady about that person. Um, I'd say yeah. he probably knows more about politics. And the first rule of politics uh, if is you're complain a is... about things. The disagree for a reason yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. anyway yeah very, that's it's very important corner, so. the, ba- the battery's good less less fossil power more renewable storage woo mm-hmm. we like it yeah okay uh now we're going to move on to the first nation story segment which um is not positive um i've got three stories that i want to touch on briefly and all of them involve um indigenous people who uh died in custody um and we're going to use their names so we'll put in uh time codes in the show notes for when to skip if you don't want to hear those names or the upsetting stuff that we're going to be talking about so first off i want to talk about um nathan reynolds who zach you um gave uh pretty detailed explanation of what was going on with him um, a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, he died from an asthma attack in prison in 2018. Uh, And the inquest into his death has been going on. And um, I actually couldn't find a lot of new information about it, but um, I still want to give a a bit of an update. Um, So one thing is that uh, it's been confirmed that he said that he had asthma when he went into jail. And the Mm -hmm. person doing the assessment... Uh, sorry, uh, when he went in and said, oh, yeah, we'll put you down for an assessment for that, um, which he never got, and then was dead less than a month later. Mm. Um, and we also heard from the nurse who, uh, it seems to me, assaulted him and then gave him medication for a condition that wasn't Drug- the condition that he had. Drug uh, overdose that he wasn't having, yeah. Yeah, they gave him anti-overdose drugs um, instead of treating from the asthma attack that everyone else knew was what was happening. Um But the other sort of witness that uh, I read about was an expert in respiratory disease and death. Um, And he said that the nurse actually probably couldn't have done anything to save him uh, by the time she arrived, even if she had correctly identified the condition. Um, Mm -hmm. But he did say that if she'd arrived earlier, uh, when the guards were first alerted about the initial attack that uh, Reynolds was having, she could have administered adrenaline, uh, which might have saved his life at that point because um, mm. there was a huge lag between when he first was having trouble breathing and then when the guards bothered coming to check on him and then even later that the nurse turned up but yeah. it also that turns was what out most of the first week's testimony revolved around was how slow the response was exactly to him getting help and it was part it was a mix of like prison protocols but also a total lack of urgency yeah. on the part of the staff as well yeah, yeah. yeah. um but it also turned out that the nurse wasn't trained in administering intermuscular adrenaline, so she couldn't have done that, even if she was called there <sighs> at that time. Hell. Which I think I know how to administer that, because we had that friend in high school who was allergic to bees. But anyway, mm. um, yep. So, yeah, that's the, the first story I want to touch on. 
Um, the next one is it. Do you know when so, those hearings are going to wrap up? No, the information I found was really, really vague. Unfortunately, um, mm. I couldn't. I couldn't find schedules or. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Um. Yeah. So the uh, other thing that I wanted to talk about was that uh, Zachary Rolf, who was the police officer who shot Kumanjaya Walker dead in Uendamu last year, has been charged with murder and will stand trial. Um, I think we mentioned this very briefly last week, but yeah, this is the first time in the Northern Territory that a police officer will be tried for the murder of an Indigenous person who died in custody. Um, yeah, it's just wild. Just ridiculous. And it's the first time anywhere in Australia since the 91 uh, inquiry into deaths in custody. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, this is just a small thing, but um, Rolf, the, the police officer, was given bail the same day that he was arrested. Um, and there was an article in the conversation that pointed out that this is in contrast to the 85% of First Nations people who are arrested and who are never given bail um, mm-hmm. and are kept on remand. And and who might die in prison on remand. Exactly, which Much Rolf was basically of, never yeah. in danger of. Um, and also that they are, for the vast majority, being charged with minor nonviolent offences like walking while black or having a legal drink of alcohol or parking tickets or the kid not going to school or whatever. And um, Rolf has been charged with first or second degree murder. So, yeah. Yeah, so that case will be held next year, probably in uh, Alice Springs, but it might end up being held in Darwin, which actually uh, leads me into the third story that I wanted to talk about today, um, which is about... uh, a police officer who was accused, who is accused of murdering a Yamachi woman in September last year, um, has been asked for his trial to be moved to Geraldton. And this is a story that we've talked about before on the show. Um, the woman's family has asked for her to be called by her initials, JC. Um, so th- yeah, uh, that's how I'll be referring to her for this story. Um, I actually found it I- incredibly difficult to find information about this, and Zach rustled up a couple of articles uh, about it that were really informative. So thank you, Zach, for doing my homework for me um, this week. But yeah, so um, this uh, this Yamachi woman, J- uh, JC, was shot uh, by a cop in Geraldton. Um, and the officer who's been charged with murder uh, wanted the, the trial to be held in Geraldton, which is a small town about four hours away from Perth. Uh, and or the, the, the officer's legal team, I guess, to be... Yes, Specific. sorry, yeah, his lawyers, yeah. Um, and uh, there was an article by another Yamaji woman whose name is Deborah Green, and she said that she suspected that was because, basically, Geraldton is notoriously racist, and that, for example, the jury would be selected from a pool of people who, in her words, I quote, a community who sees Yamachi people as a stain on society that they just cannot seem to remove. Um, Jesus. And this article was just heartbreaking. That was, that was in the Green Left Weekly? Uh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, mm. we'll, I'll pop a link in, but yeah. Um, she said, there have been public threats on social media to run, run young people over with cars. For too many people in Geraldton, this seems a legitimate, quote, solution to social issues and the, quote, problem of our Yamachi children. It's not far-fetched to think that someone could run down a First Nation child in this town. It happened to Elijah Doherty in uh, 2016 in Kalgoorlie. Some non-First Nations people think it's a valid solution with very little consequence. This was proven to be the case when young Elijah's killer received a sentence of just three years and ended up serving only 19 months. So yeah, that um, it's pretty horrifying and like indicative of how 
cooked our justice, quote unquote, justice system is that holding it in a different venue means that you're likely to get a different result. But luckily, the judge has thrown out this request to hear it in Geraldton. Um, and this is from a NITV article. Um, Justice Curthoy said uh, he acknowledged the stress that the officer would be under, but noted that he was currently on bail. It's a regrettable feature of being on trial that your freedom is restricted, Justice Curthoy said. And the family of JC say they now have hope for justice. It's a country town, Geraldton. I don't see how we could get justice in the right manner. Everything's down here for a reason. If it's hard to get here, well, so be it. We'd rather it was here as a family, said Bernadette Clark, about having the trial held in Perth. So that's some good news for the family there. Um, yeah, well, and that's, yeah, one that will definitely, like, there'll be more about this to come. Much soon. more news about as it comes. Yep. Yeah, yep. both, all, all of those cases. Uh, thanks for that roundup, Noon. Um, now we're going to move on and uh, for a bit of that. Classic Ozpol snack pod tonal whiplash. You fucked up. So this is a a story from Naaman Zhao in the Guardian, who is clearly just having a huge amount of fun <laughs> with this one. Uh, so the headline basically is that Adani, that mining company that we all know and love, have changed their name to Bravus. Um, Adani's yep. chief executive says that this is the medieval Latin word for courageous. It's not. It's more accurately translated as either crooked or mercenary. Uh, and the article is just full of these uh, amazing quotes from various Latin experts that uh, Zhao has inter- in- interviewed for the article. Uh, here's a couple of my favorites from uh, Dr. Christopher uh-huh. Bishop, who's from the Australian National University Classics Department. He says, they are wrong. It would have to be something like Fortis for brave if you were going for your classical. You know, something like Fortuna Favit Fortibus. Fortune favors the brave. That's a schoolboy thing. Everyone knows that. Uh, another really uh, choice quote. It's sort of a Monty Python Latin. Mm. It's that classic joke where you chuck an us on the end of something and call it Latin. Uh, Romani eunt domus. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Thank you very much, Noon. Um, lucky that I, lucky that we're both enormous nerds. Mm-hmm. Um, Professor Tim Barkin from the University of Melbourne said that he actually did find an entry for Bravas in a dictionary of medieval Latin. Quote, it tends to be used of someone who is villainous, a crook or a bandit or a cutthroat. Uh, and another one from Bishop, even if it is not barbarous, it could be a mispronunciation <laughs> of Bravas. P's, B's, and F's always get mixed up. It could literally be Pravis, which means bad, crooked, depraved. Mm-hmm. Maybe it is barbarous plus Pravis, meaning a depraved barbarian. Hilarious. Bishop really just uh, going, going to in town hard there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's, the article also has this amazing uh, quote from an Adani spokesperson, really just desperately reaching yeah, yeah. for some kind of alternate <laughs> explanation. Uh, it includes the us suffix. <laughs> Amazing. So it's Latin. Um, it, can, it includes the us suffix, highlighting the inclusive nature of us, the company, uh-huh. us, the employees, and us, the community. It references the fact that we are an Australian company by having the letters AUS in the name. It signifies uh-huh. that we are proud to be wait, an wait, Australian. Wait, wait, They have all of those letters in the name, but not all Not together, in that order. Or not like necessarily- capitalized in a way so that you can see that's what they're going for. Yeah, they've taken some part of Australia and broken it up uh, into a new corporate entity. Yeah. Uh, so it is kind of, it does literally work in some sense. Um, 
the spokesperson goes on to say, signifies we are proud to be an Australian company that is part of the North Queensland community. Um, and Adani's chief executive has said, no, we're not changing the name because of bad associations. Quote, if we were motivated by that, we would it would have made sense to change our name 18 months ago or earlier. You know, uh, when we started the process for this rebranding when we hired <laughs> all of those yeah. expensive experts to decide on this <laughs> shitty name 18 months ago. <laughs> exactly. Friend, confidant, and member of our inner sanctum, uh, Hugh, pointed out it worked for Blackwater. So if they weren't doing it for that reason, they should have. <laughs> yes. Uh, but as Damon Jab points out, Adani has already actually done some sneaky rebranding this year. Uh, they already changed the name of the Abbott Point Coal Terminal to the very bland North Queensland Export Terminal. Yep. Um, which doesn't have the word coal in it. Um, marketing genius shit. Um, so, yeah, it's like, uh, the, the, I mean, it, this is obviously a fucking naked, nakedly transparent attempt to uh, try and. Uh, distance themselves from like everything that the public knows about what Adani is. <laughs> no, no, no. Yep. We're, we're, you know, my name is Mister Snrub. Um, yeah, exactly. But, and like, yeah, this is ba- roughly a year out from when the mine is supposed to become operational. So they're really hoping that Adani will be wiped from everybody's memory by the time the mine actually opens. Yeah. But yeah, unfortunately for them. Uh, <laughs> When they chose a quote unquote Latin name, mm. they pitted like a team of marketing gurus and rebranding experts mm. against a bunch of bitter academic nerds That's true. who would obviously jump at the chance to humiliate a mining corporation. You really fucked up on this one, Adani. It's also like they uh they did just such a good job of now cementing the link between Adani and Bravus and also Bravus and fucking useless uh <laughs> terrible decision makers like they've they've done they've managed to undo any of the anonymizing that the process might have done yeah amazing they um, should have just gone ne- with like a l m mineral incorporated or something seriously like, yeah, yeah. J- like yeah e- exactly it's it's really really not that hard uh but here and, we are um, and- we're about to move on to our shit post of the week, and uh, but before we get there, I wanted to give a, a runner-up on this topic uh, to another friend, confidant, and member of our inner sanctum, uh, Jimmy, who made this uh, delightful Simpsons meme of uh, people. It, it's the one where they're, they're doing boo, boo, and you know, he's <laughs> he saying, um, "Are they saying? Uh, are they booing me?" And Smithers is like, "No, no, they're saying." Boo Wurns, Boo Wurns. And so in this one, the crowd is calling Bravus in brackets crooks, Bravus in brackets mercenaries. And then Mr. <laughs> Burns is like, Are they calling us crooks and mercenaries? And Smith is like, Oh no, they're saying Brave Us. Brave Us. <laughs> you know, us the company, us Australia. <laughs> Very good. Very Superlative good. Superlative work, Jimmy. Thank you. But yes, now it is time for... Shitpost of the Week. And we've so far managed to avoid mentioning the US election. Uh, But unfortunately, the Ozpol shitposting Facebook group did briefly become US election poll shitposting. Uh, (laughs) And there was some really good good content in it. Uh, And so I want to give this off-topic Shitpost of the Week award to AJ Lawson, long-time shitposter, first-time Shitpost of the Week awardee. Uh, really? I think that can't be right. No, you're right. I'm sure we've given them one before. Yeah, at least one. 
All right. But Sorry, AJ. Ne- definitely not for a minute. Uh, back on form with this amazing thread that they <laughs> sparked uh, with uh, an image from an opinion piece from it's the Guardian, is it? I think. Yeah. 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 Um, and they they said this freshly bank- blanked out headline for you shit posters. Who is to blame? And the uh, the image is this um, like banner from the Guardian's opinion. There's only one person to blame for Biden's struggles tonight. Um, and <laughs> there were a bunch of amazing submissions. Um, hilariously, the actual one was Jeremy Corbyn, which is more or less <laughs> the like. It's already worst... a meme. Yeah, yeah, it's already a meme. Several people suggested that in the thread, and everyone was like, "Sorry, no." That's um, the the funniest uh, answer is already the true one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but there was this beautiful one from uh, um, beloved Greens hack Hamish Taylor. Um, <laughs> There's only one person to blame for the uh, for Biden's struggle tonight: the Greens by Van Badham. Um, <laughs> one here from uh, Ness Harkness. There's only one person to blame for Biden's struggles tonight: Vlad. <laughs> There's a picture of Vlad beneath this post. He is a cat. <laughs> uh, this one from Andrew Parker. There's only one person to blame for Biden's struggle tonight. D's nuts. Uh, and Darren Voss, who just said G.K. Chesterton, which I appreciated as a, a, a seemingly completely random deep cut. But uh, you should all read that book about Thursday or whatever. Yeah. Um, I have uh, no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> that's probably fine. He wrote probably for a, the best. He, he, uh, he wrote a bunch of christian detective novels that were then the inspiration for agatha christie uh but he also wrote this extremely whack fever dream book that's i can't remember what it's called it's about anarchists attacking and dethroning god but then they become god anyway um yeah see there's just a couple more of these memes i want to get through uh there's only one person to blame for biden's struggles tonight the greens for voting against the cprs in 2009 uh another one this one from aj anthony green by friendly geordies because friendly geordies was talking about how uh he shouldn't have a job uh anymore that's very funny uh and, and this th- this one which is which i personally loved and uh noon, you did post this to our twitter and i saw it and it's, it happens occasionally on twitter when because we, we share the account yeah noon will post some fire and then i want to go to like it but i can't because yeah i do the same with you, our own yeah, tweet a- yeah oh thanks well that's nice to hear mm. but uh <laughs> There's only one person to blame for Biden's struggles tonight, but I'm not spending any more time on it because every three months a person... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you know, you know. It was the perfect delivery, yeah. Great posting. Love it when the group comes together. For a Nothing nice Nothing better than a good template. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that brings us to the end of the news. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we've got an interview with Leah from Slut Walk Melbourne and host of the Loud, Angry, and Not Sorry podcast. So, stay tuned. You say that on a podcast? Uh, just sit right there. Don't touch the dial. Okay, we're here with Leah from Slut Walk Melbourne. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, welcome to Ospol Snackpod. Leah is a, has been a longtime supporter of the show and, like, has offered so much behind-the-scenes guidance. <laughs> Seriously, over... one of our biggest backers. It's so lovely. <laughs> Yeah. For real, so it's a real treat um, to have you guys. On the show. I'm just fucking bossy. That's all. <laughs> and we need that. We need some bossing. We, we love to be bossed. So, um, and, and it's it nice that it's well. coming from a feminist this time, as opposed to some dude. 
True. Very true. Um, but uh, yeah, to kick things off, do you want to sort of introduce yourself and then maybe tell us a little bit about Slutwalk? Oh, me. Um, actually, no, I don't, but I will. Um, sorry, I hate talking about myself. My name's Leah. I'm an Aquarian on the cusp of Capricorn. Like, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> um, so just go straight into Slutwalk. Um, I've been organising with Slutwalk since 2018. So this will be, this is my second year, I think. Um, or maybe third. I think it's my third March anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, Slutwalk started back in 2011 in Toronto when this, uh, fucking cop, police constable Michael Sanguinetti said to an auditorium of university students, you know, I think we're beating around the bush here. I've been told I'm not supposed to say this. However, women should avoid dressing like sluts in order not to be victimized, which Mm -hmm. as you can imagine went down super well. Um, yeah. So that was that was what sparked Slutwalk, essentially. Uh, uh, Heather Jarvis is the founder of Slutwalk, and she started in Toronto that year. Um, and then it went worldwide, like north, all, all across North America, South America, Africa, Asia, India, uh, yeah. Hong Kong, and obviously Melbourne, mm. even in Israel. Like, it's, it's incredibly worldwide. Mm. And so what are the, like aims and goals of the movement oh uh like i mean fundamentally is to end rape culture just to call out slut shaming and victim blaming and to hold perpetrators accountable for their behavior rather than blaming the victim Mm. Mm. so i mean the term slut walk is obviously a little bit contentious among people in general but specifically among some feminists as well i know that that the debate over using that term is not to bed yet like people are still i've seen people hassling slut walk organizers online being like why are you using this slur why would you identify with this um and I, i wondered if you could maybe talk a little bit about you know the 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 meaning and the history of the term and the you know the power of language there that you're kind of trying to capture i mean the word slut was chosen for us by that cop like it mm. it's that's why we use it is because it's completely and totally weaponized against us it's i mean the word slut has two meanings really it's the literal definition which is like promiscuous or enjoys casual sex and the other one is very cultural and holds a lot of uh, social capital or like a social debt. I'm not really sure how to, <laughs> how mm. to talk mm. about that, but it's incredibly gendered. Both of yes. those definitions, like for a woman to be a slut is, it's a shameful thing when really all it is is casual sex. That's all it is. Mm. Mm. And also when we talk about the controversy around the word, we need to remember like who uses it as a slur. And it's mm-hmm. usually the same person who used prude as a slur because they can't handle, uh, like, a woman being in control of her own sexuality and mm-hmm. controlling her mm-hmm. sexuality. So, yeah, I think that is the problem with the word and that is what people are still pushing against. And it, a lot of it is internalised misogyny. Mm. And a lot of it, I think, is totally valid also. Like, why are we using slut? as as a feminist movement and it is it's about reclamation of words and it's about who holds the power and we're trying to take back that power 
Did I answer that? I think that was, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think you made a really good point about, um, you know, the word means someone, a woman who has casual sex and who enjoys casual sex. But as with the instance of that cop, and so often it's just used, like, women don't have to act in any particular way or... Like, they don't have to be having casual sex for the, like, male gaze to call them a slut or to weaponize that term. Um, women are called a slut for saying no. It's yeah, never, it's exactly. Been, the yeah. names that men call us, it's never actually about us. Mm. It's, it's about other people's perception or other, other people's ideology or expectations of women. I, mm. I can be a called a slut for doing literally nothing, like, just for being in a super I might cut someone off mm. and they call me a slut. Like it mm. literally has nothing to do with sex. It's all about control and power. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. So the slut walk usually takes the form of a march, hence the name. Um, yeah. And as you say, you've, you've um, been uh, uh, organizing part, you know, helping to organize the marches for the last two years, but obviously this year, given the restrictions uh, with Corona and everything, uh, that can't really happen. So the slut walk's kind of changing shape this year. Can you tell us a bit about what it's going to look like? Um, hopefully many, many different things. Like in my brain, it's, it's going to be incredible and essentially take over the city. But that's a projection that might not <laughs> eventuate. Uh, so essentially 3CR have agreed to host the, the march. That's a community radio station here in Melbourne. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> um, so they're going to host the march for us. Uh, it'll be broadcast both online and on radio, so tune in. But we cannot tell you what day that will happen yet because uh, Jabalwurrung Embassy have requested that actions cease on the 14th and the 15th, hmm. uh, which and we were slated to broadcast on the 14th. So we have postponed that and we're just in the process of uh, rescheduling a new date with the program manager. So right. stay tuned. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it's still going to be incredible. So optimistically what will happen is people will have, like, COVID-safe slut parties in their homes and can broadcast the radio, turn it up really, really loud, let the speeches fill all the streets, the songs and the, the hosts and everything like that, filling all of Melbourne optimistically across the city, across the state, uh, and just letting people know we won't be silenced even in a pandemic, which is really important. Mm -hmm. The There's so much going on at the moment in relation to, like, gag laws and defamation laws and things like that that mm. – we're so at risk of being silenced. And then you put on top of that, like the incitement laws that are stopping people from protesting at the moment. And it's, mm. yeah, it's actually really scary what's happening to activism in Victoria at the moment in this so-called progressive state. Mm. Yeah. No, it's, it's, as you say, it's, it's a really like dangerous, uh, it's a really dangerous environment at the moment. And like we, we saw last weekend, uh, the, the, those cops making 400 arrests at the, that protest outside the Queen Vic markets, which again, these are anti-lockdown protesters who we, you know, have no kind We're of not political stands. Yeah. common ground with no, at all. But, at all. I mean, but yeah, I mean, that's just so incredibly intense. I mean, not, not to mention, obviously the various other forms of protests that have been shut down by the Andrews government and they're over policing. Yeah. Um, so I, it's really, uh, inspiring to see this uh, innovative kind of attempt to 
find another way to get the message out and and refuse to be silenced. Yeah. And you touched on um, that, you know, aside from the the kind of crackdown on activism and protests that's been justified under these COVID uh, health restrictions, you also mentioned that there are the, uh, new gag laws coming in. And I know that this is one of the things that um, you've got someone from the Let Us Speak campaign coming to talk at Slut Walk this year. Yeah. Um, do you want to um, tell us a little bit about that? I think we have briefly touched on it in an older episode of, of Snack Pod, um, but maybe you can give us a quick rundown. Oh, it's so fucked. So essentially a law was passed in around, I think, March or maybe May. I think one of the end months. I can't remember. But um, <laughs> what is time? I don't know. Um, but there was a law that was kind of almost snuck through like around the start of the pandemic, uh, which made it illegal for victim survivors to self-identify and talk about the sexual har- harassment or their rape if the perpetrator's been found guilty. Mm. Wow. Which, which, like, when when you say it just like that, it's just, like, the most cooked law. Oh, That's... I'm so surprised that so soon after Pell was found gif- guilty and Dyson Hayden's bullshit come through. Mm. I'm so surprised that this law has passed. Like, wow, who would have thought it? Yeah. Uh, this is, um, is this legislation Victoria specific? Because I know it's, there's been it's state legislation. I know that this has happened kind of in a couple of other states and there have been separate campaigns around it. Is that right? Yeah. So it happened in Tasmania and I believe that they re- they revert, successfully reversed it. I, believe, I think that they will successfully reverse it here as well. Um, mm. But I think they've really used this COVID time where people can't really activate on the streets mm. as, a, as a good chance for them to actually just try and sneak it through and get people forgetting about it, talk about other stuff, talk about other stuff. Maybe people will forget about it. Mm. Not a hope in hell. No. I'm, I'm so, so, got, I'm um, so angry. Shana? Yeah, yeah, Shana Bremner from the – who – uh, runs Endrape on campus and is also the co-founder mm. of the Let Us Speak campaign along with Nina Funnel. So, yeah, it's I've spoken with her at length about this and we, we talk about it constantly and trying to come up with little media campaigns and little snippets mm. and things to try and keep mm. it in people's consciousness because mm. it's really important we do not forget about this. Like victim survivors are silenced enough by the act of rape and then we're, su- mm. we're silenced mm. again by cops not believing us and society and culture blaming us for our assault and now on top of that they want to take our rights away to speak about it it's fucking disgusting it's disgusting and it's it also reduces the likelihood of people reporting which so when people don't report and then they talk about their assault they're not going to be believed because why didn't you report it obvious Mm. reasons now but also if they actually mention the, the name of their abuser they're at risk of defamation it's it's just so twisted. That's, yeah, I'm so angry. There's this, there's this page I've been following on Facebook for a while called Penny's Voice, um, which yeah. was a campaign. You know that one? Yeah. Um, and obviously every update is enraging, but also, yeah, she, uh, she seems to have been getting behind the whole Let Us Speak campaign and seems to have been directly affected by that, and it's just awful. And, and she's been you know, really trying to put a focus on exactly what you were just saying about all these different stages at which people are silenced and at which mm. victim survivors are told um, that their experiences don't matter or that they can't get justice mm. or, yeah. Um, so anyway, just listeners, maybe go check out that that page as well as Slut Walk and Let Us Speak, yeah. 
and mm. and rape on campus as well. And rape on campus. Yeah. 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 So that's that's one of the themes for Slut Walk this year, and um, you're also going to be talking about like uh, how coronavirus has been, the the gendered impacts of that, and how that's affected women. I would be shocked if that wasn't mentioned. Like particularly, we've got a speaker from Vixen Collective who are incredible. Mm, Vixen yeah. have supported us since 2011. They're fantastic. Uh, this that's, is a, that's a sex worker run collective. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I'd always just assume. Just Google people, you'll be fine. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Vixen Collective is a sex worker, peer led, peer run uh, sex worker organisation which does a lot of advocacy work and. Um, mm. campaigns for full decriminalization of sex work, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, but they're also, a, like, they fall under the Scarlet Alliance umbrella. So Vixen Collective is Victorian, Scarlet Alliance is national. And Scarlet Alliance okay. are running a fundraiser at the moment to support sex workers through the COVID period because they've been mm. disproportionately affected yeah. by the pandemic. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I'll, um, I'll share that link with you as well. Lots of fundraising links and organisation links. <laughs> Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> That's what it's all about. Yeah. Um, and one other thing I wanted to touch on before we moved on is you, you mentioned that uh, you've had to move the date of slot walk um, because the Jabberwong Embassy has requested that no other actions take place on that weekend for which it was initially scheduled. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think it's fantastic to see activists from kind of different uh, who you know who primarily represent different causes kind of collaborating and showing respect for one another mm. and sort of working around each other um and that's one of the things that I really love about slut walk is that it is by no means a kind of single issue uh feminist movement it's about inclusivity mm. not only issues of race and economics and gender and as you say like being pro sex worker and all that kind of thing but you know we've had we've also we've been referring a lot throughout this conversation to women and the way that the term slut is applied to women but of course slut walk is not just for women there's like a really strong uh gender diverse and non-binary like presence as well in the movement which is something that uh, I've always really loved about Slut Walk. And I wondered if you could talk a little bit about that sort of ethos, I guess, of like inclusivity. Yeah. Um, I mean, I suppose first and foremost, we need to acknowledge that this land is stolen and mm. that feminism would not be needed in this country if it wasn't for colonisation, mm. if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, the need for feminism was imported along with a lot of other things mm. by the English. Mm. It's a priority that we must centre and prioritise First Nations voices. That that goes mm. without saying. That That's, mm. yeah, this, this is their land. It was stolen. I am a coloniser. I'm in the process of decolonising. Um, so I cannot trust myself and my voice in First Nations spaces and when it comes to First Nations issues because... I'm I'm still unlearning my privileges, so I need to mm. learn how to shut up and sit down and raise those voices up, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, right since the start, like I said before, we've always had Vixen Collective involved, so it's really important that we make the rally and the space of Slut Walk, wherever that may be, at an event, at banner making, whatever it is, that it's it's safe for our community. And our community includes trans people, gender diverse, gender non-conforming, 
non-binary, sex workers, sister girls and brother boys and anyone and everyone. Mm. The only people we obviously don't include who is, is anyone who platforms hate speech. Hate speech is not free speech. Like if you use your voice to marginalise and to ridicule and to try and reduce someone's human rights, you are not welcome in our space. And I think that is something that really sets Slut Walk apart from other feminist movements is our firm our firm no when it comes to hate speech, essentially. There's no, oh, you know, they have a – they have – their right to an they don't have their right to an opinion. Hate speech is not an opinion, and we're very firm and very concrete on that. And which means mm. that when you come to a slut walk rally, you know you've got people around you who have your back. Mm. Which oh, yeah, it's one of the things I love about it so so yeah. much. And having been to a few slut walk events, and you know, yeah, uh, like that that you feel that vibe as soon as you yeah. you step in the room. Um, yeah. I think also last year, especially, you had some really incredible like promotional materials and artworks that really like put that intersectionality right at the forefront. Um, yep. There were some really beautiful illustrations of people, all sorts of different bodies and um, mm. all sorts of different stuff like that. And just seeing them was like, oh, this is such a yeah. caring and deliberately welcoming space yeah, and movement absolutely. and i really admire that and think yeah. you you and and the whole organization have done a, a fabulous job with that and um yeah uh, every, everyone could take notes <laughs> totally yes. agree yes get your um, pen out <laughs> I, I think i think the most important thing about slut walk as well is that like some other collectives that i've been a part of that are a bit more sort of maybe libertarian uh have a checkbox we don't have a checkbox like these, the people that are speaking at our marches are friends or people who have been involved in the past or people that we know through other social causes. Like this, mm. like our speakers literally re- represent our community. Mm. So, but it's always intersectional. It's, mm. it, we, and we do deliberately seek out people who are people of colour or non-binary or gender diverse. Like we do deliberately seek that out. Mm. Mm. But it's not hard for us to find, if that makes sense, because it's just like, oh, hey, Rachel, like Rachel who spoke last year. It's just like we were just having a coffee and talking. I'm just like, you should talk at the rally. And she's like, yeah, that'd be cool. I'm like, awesome. And she was incredible. Um, So, yeah, like we don't have a checkbox. We don't like we need a Muslim. We need need an Indigenous person. We needed this. We needed that. We need – you know what I mean? We don't have a checkbox. Yeah, it can start to feel very – tokenistic very quickly yeah it can um, it can you know, it yeah if it becomes this sort of like yeah it's the, the inclusivity is central to slut walk it's yeah. not a part of the public relations mm, campaign mm. in order to legitimize your existence as a feminist yeah. movement it's at the core of what you do and that's yeah, yeah. uh absolutely inspiring so before we get out of here, Leah, I know that Slutwalk is putting together a documentary at the moment. Um, could you tell us a bit about that? I would love to. Uh, so at, the sens- at, at, at this point in time, we don't actually know what it's going to look like. <laughs> um, we are just inter- we're in the process still of like collecting content and uh, and interviewing uh, Slutwalks from all over the world. So far, we've interviewed organisers from Salt Lake City, which was fucking interesting, interesting. Mm. yeah uh salt lake, salt lake city uh uh munich um i'm organizing one with salzburg 
We've spoken to Angie from Hong Kong Slut Walk. Uh, where else? I'm in the process of organising one with London. Heather Jarvis, who is the founder of Slut Walk, mm. she'll be interviewing. Fantastic. Um, I'll be That's interviewing awesome. her. Yeah, it's uh, so many documentaries that you see about rape culture and victim blaming and that kind of stuff. Is so it, it leaves you with this really heavy, sad, hopeless feeling. And mm. I wanted to create something that was really empowering and centred the organisers and the women and the, the non-binary people and gender diverse folk all, who come together and do the work to Im- improve our culture and our community. Because as much like laws that change in government almost mean fuck all. Like it, it doesn't do anything when mm. the culture isn't there yet. So mm. we need to work on engaging with our community and our culture and having a genuine, honest conversation about the hows and the whys of rape culture. And that's what I hope this that this documentary will do, as well as empower uh, young folk and young people in our community to to join and to come together and you know get active. Yeah, absolutely. I, were you looking for submissions for yes, please. stories? If you've, if you've been to a slut walk or if you've um, if you've been to a slut walk in the past and you'd like to contribute, you can either just record a, a short audio clip or take a video of yourself, send them some photos, send us some photos of you on the day or of the crowds during the day and just write like a short um, snippet of what slut what meant to you and how it makes you feel empowered or maybe things that you didn't like about it, things that you want to see change, like how it made you feel mm. essentially and how it continues to Can people to find contact in- info for that on your Facebook page, Slut Walk Melbourne? Yeah, uh, just email through to slutwalkmelbourne at gmail.com. And if you send us hateful stuff, then we will publish that and we'll make fun of you. So, (laughs) Fair fair warning. Good luck. And also I'm a massive cunt, so good luck to you. (laughs) Great note to end on. (laughs) Awesome. Leah, thank you so much for joining us. We really uh, appreciate the work you do and all the support that you've Aww. given the show over the year. And um, we're really excited to see what Slut Walk looks like this year. Um, so thanks again for joining us. No worries. Thanks for having me. You bet. Yeah. Crunch, crunch. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Amazing. <laughs> Leah, just... Let me know. She forgot to mention that this year's Slut Walk is supporting Grandmothers Against Removals, uh, which are a fantastic organization. So a percentage of the proceeds from whatever fundraising happens will go to Grandmothers Against Removals as well as Slut Walk Melbourne. But yeah, that was a really fun interview. And we didn't mention it in that interview, but Leah is the host of Loud, Angry and Not Sorry, which is a podcast that Noon and I both recommend. Carly, who submitted the potluck from earlier in the episode, is going to be the next co-host of Loud, Angry and Not Sorry. So if you want to hear more of Carly and Leah's uh, fantastic conversations about contemporary feminism, can't it, recommend that It's really enough. a great show. Uh, it's always very informative, but it's also like, I think, especially compared to this show, it's like quite casual and I really like that style and I always learn stuff from it and they always have amazing guests on... Uh, yeah, go give them a listen. Yeah, absolutely. And like we take a lot from that show in mm, terms yeah, of yeah, yeah. the way that we understand and think about and talk about feminist issues as, you know, <laughs> we literally ha- had uh, the potluck from Carly uh, just sort of pointing us in the Trying right direction this week. Fix so. up our shit, yeah. 
Um, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. Um, we 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 owe them a lot as well. Um, so before we get onto our final segment, where we tell you all about what our dogs have been up to this week, because that is very important news. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just want to tell you to support us any way you can, any way you feel like. Um, if you could leave us a review, especially on Apple Podcasts, that helps us out a lot. And in fact, we got one this week that was unbearably nice uh, that we'll, we'll read out. And we do read them out when we get them. So this one is from Permanent Palimpsest, who, uh, as we mentioned, recently up their Patreon pledge. So thank you so much, Palimpsest. Love that. Also love Palimpsests as a concept. So good job. Uh, and they said they gave us five stars and said this best leftist Australian podcast. Zach has delightful Tintin energy and Noon is now my favorite <laughs> conspiracy theorist. They talk themselves <laughs> down a bunch, but these two are incredibly knowledgeable and this is a great platform for them to share with folks like me. Seriously. I've learned a heap by listening to this show. It goes on, but that's lovely. So thank, thank that you. That is extremely sweet. Thank you very much. Uh, otherwise, you know, uh, follow us on the socials on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, uh, tell a friend if you can, and if you really want to help support the show um, and you want to do that financially, you can do that over at Patreon.com, where if you support us for as little as one US dollar a month, you get access to a monthly bonus episode plus uh, some other cool stuff as well. So go and check us out there. We also want to really like what we do. Uh, try and arrange some way for people to like support the show in kind if you don't want to give us money or you can't give us money but you have like skills that you reckon could help us with like i don't know digital marketing or um graphic design or whatever or you have some ideas about how you might be able to like support the show in other ways please get in touch with us we can just send you a link to our bonus episode feed um yeah so we, yeah. we love that and yeah absolutely yeah this is an idea that has only just been born by us, so we don't know how it's going to work. We don't yet, know the get in touch there, if it sounds yeah. if it sounds good to you, for sure. Okay, um, cool. All right. Now it's time for I looks like you've got uh, some notes here, Zach. What's what's been going on with with <laughs> Dumpy this week? Uh, well, I don't know if this is a sensible thing to reveal publicly, but this week was my birthday, mm-hmm. and uh dante got involved in the celebrations um so i found out two things one that he doesn't like balloons Mm -hmm. and two that he does really really like lcms or uh, rice krispie squares depending on uh, neither of those things surprise me even remotely no Uh, look he got used to the balloons sort of after a couple of days uh my partner brought me brought me balloons in bed for my in (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, on the day, which was very cute. And then they've just been kind of balloons lying around the house ever since then. And whenever one kind of gets kicked near Dante, he's always like, oh, Whoa. shit. <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, but uh, I came in uh, to my study the other day and he was lying in his bed and, with a balloon, like in his bed with him. And he was like curled up kind of next to it. And he definitely seemed resentful of it, but he wasn't running away from it. Uh-huh. Um, which That's was, adorable. You know. Yeah, it was extremely cute. I'll post a photo of that to the Discord. That's where I'll post it. Yeah, nice. Um, <laughs> you can see Dante with a the balloon there, uh, and uh, yeah, obviously he loves rice bubbles that are stuck together with marshmallow. Yeah, that's <laughs> what's not to love. From <laughs> there's obviously yeah, nothing point of view. surprising about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah, Holly gave him a corner of one, I think, on the day, and then and every like, time <gasps> that either of us picked one up after that, he was like, "Fantastic, my treat." Thank um, you. No, n- nah. <laughs> Sorry, bud. 
Much too good for Dante's. Yeah. Um, but uh, what's Bagel been up to? He's had a pretty chill week. I've been sick, as mentioned above, so he's had a boring couple of days. But um, pardon me. Um, yeah, so he's had a boring couple of days. But um, I've actually been doing a bunch of dog training for other people, like people who've been paying me to train their dogs uh, over the last week or two, oh, which nice. has been awesome. Yeah. Uh, my sister hooked me up with a couple of clients, and then I found a few on like a uh, good karma network or whatever. And um, a friend of ours from high school who I haven't spoken to in years got in touch about his new little uh, tiny baby corgi. So that's been really fun because uh, I love doing dog training. Listeners, if you have a dog that needs training, get in touch. Um, but uh, it's reminded me a bunch of stuff that I used to do with Bagel that I've kind of fallen off. Um, so we've been... Uh, getting back into the crate training again, which um, mm. is basically like being happy sleeping in a box. And he, he fucking loves his <laughs> crate, which is nice. And so, like, I brought it into my room for the first time in, like, probably more than a year that it's been in sort of our storage shed. And he was just mm. like, oh, yes, it's Crate's my back. house. And Crate has City. just been, like, hanging out there all the time and, like... Yeah, it's, it's extremely cute. And I like in the middle of the night hearing the sound of him, like, walk in, it rattles a bit, and then they're like crash as he like flumps down to go to sleep it's a very adorable noise so yeah it's not very not big cute. news but yeah it's been very sweet excellent thank you very much for tuning in everybody and uh we'll catch you next week for something slightly unusual hell yeah Fuck cops, crunch, all right crunch. keep us thinking in the free world peace peace <laughs>